Welcome, good morning. My name's Jason, I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption. Um, Welcome to all of you. Uh, Typically, we study verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Um, If you are normal with us here, we just finished the Gospel of John. We just spent about a year and a half walking verse by verse through that amazing eyewitness testimony of the life, death, and resurrection of King Jesus. And uh, that was so, so good. Um, And then, as Pat mentioned, next week, we're jumping into the book of Ephesians. And so if you are looking for a place to go in your personal time in the Word, uh, which is oh so important for a follower of Jesus, might you consider Ephesians with us? Um, You can do that either uh, in your own way or you can even come along with us in our uh, Bible reading plan as a church in Abide as we kind of preview the text prior to getting into the text on a weekly basis. I'll just uh, have you consider that this morning. And so the break between John and Ephesians falls um, providentially uh, in two important dates and seasons in the life of our church. Um, The first is that it uh, falls in this area of about our three-year birthday as a church plant. Um, We planted from Windsor Community Church back around Easter of 2021. So I know it's not Easter yet, but like I said, in close proximity, right? And uh, so that's the first date. And then the second important date is that February of last year in 2023, That is when Living Water Fellowship Church decided to join with Redemption Church where we packed up our boxes and we came into this beautiful building that Living Water Fellowship has blessed us with. Praise God for all that he has done. Amen? Amen. And it's it's good uh, to take time. Um, Many of you know me. I'm not a reflecting, celebratory kind of guy. Like, I, we get to it, and I'm like, yep, we were supposed to get to it, let's, like, on to the next thing, you know? And it is so good in the life of the church, in lives as, as individuals and collectively, to stop and build an Ebenezer in your life, to stack stones, and to say, hey, do you remember when God did this? Do you remember when God did that? and to reflect upon his good and kind and gracious hand in our lives. So two years ago, on our one-year-old birthday, we commissioned this mini-series called Reflect and Expect. And um, we take one Sunday out of our normal rhythm, of our normal routines of what we do together as a family, and we look back And we ask people to share, how have you seen God work and move in your life or the lives of other people over the last year? If you were with us last week, that's what we did. There's about 12 to 15 people that voluntarily grabbed this microphone and said, hey, I want to share what God has done. Praise God for those testimonies of what the Spirit of God is doing. At the end of each one of those individual testimonies, we collectively uttered our agreement to God's amazing work with one word. What word did we use? Amen. Amen. Right? That as uh, individuals are um, sharing what God is doing, that we, because of the family of God, you are not alone as an individual. 
You were once an individual, but you are now God's people. And so what happens over there affects us here. And so as we give testimony to the greatness of our God, we can, even though we have not personally experienced it, because of a brother and sister, because we are family, we get to say amen to what God is doing in our family. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. That we're united, we're tied up as one body, one family, one people for the glory of God and the joy of his people And so we need to cultivate in our church a culture that celebrates what God is doing individually. And we get to do that publicly. Not only for our own edification, but also for the edification of others. Why? Because life is often hard. The road is often not very clear. And so when we come together and we give testimony to the goodness and faithfulness of our God, God often uses your testimony to minister to other people right where they are at. And it's good to cultivate that in our daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly habits, the ability to stop, slow down, and reflect on God's gracious and kind hand in our lives. And that reflection produces worship. That reflection should produce trust in our lives, shouldn't it? Like as we consider all that God has done, who he is, like does it not produce in your mind and heart worship, awe, wonder, thankfulness, gratitude for his sustaining work in the kindness of your life? And as we sit and meditate on God's past faithfulness, as we reflect on who he is, what he has done, it should produce worship. And that worship should produce humble expectancy. Godly reflection ought to produce humble expectation in the lives of followers of Jesus. Let me say that again. Godly reflection ought to produce humble expectation in the lives of Jesus' followers. And so this morning, we're going to look at the other side of the coin. Last week, reflect. Praise God. This week, expect. And the roadmap this morning is pretty simple. There's really only two things that I want to look at under this idea of expect. And the first one is, what's the nature of our expectation? Like, why do we believe God is going to do anything at all? Why should we believe that? And then the second is, what does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with me? So, very simple, two concepts under this heading of expect. First, what's the nature of it? What and why? And then second, what does all of that have to do with you, personally? If you have your Bibles, I would ask you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. As you get there, if you can multitask, why don't you stand as you get there? If you're me, you probably have to get there and then stand. And so take your time, no problem. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. This is where we're going to look this morning.
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of our God. You can be seated. This is an amazing text. It details many of the results and the means of the gospel. For all those who believe and follow Jesus, it speaks to the reality that we are chosen by God to be a people of his own possession, that he called us out of dark and our sinful state into his marvelous light. You can think of John chapter one, can't you? That he is the light of the world. The darkness does not overcome him. That we were once not a unified people. Oh, so true, isn't that? You look at the world, the world is not a unified people. But now, you are God's people because of Jesus. And if you look carefully in verse 9, it's the third line in my Bible, there's one oh-so-profound word, and it's that. Circle that word if you're comfortable writing in your Bible right? Look at it with me. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. As followers of Jesus called out of darkness and into light, you and I have a purpose to be God's people, to be a royal priesthood that shines and displays the God that we serve to one another and to the watching world proclaiming God's excellencies. And if you've been with us in the Gospel of John, we've seen time and again this close connection between the life of Jesus and the way of Jesus. Right, The salvation that we obtain because of Jesus and the new life that we now display and live out because of our new identity. The language in John used these two words, believe and follow, all over the gospel of John. Believe in Jesus and then follow him, right? Leave behind the old life. Leave behind the fishing nets and come be a fisher of men. Here too in 1 Peter chapter 2, we see this connection that God's intent in saving you and I is that we now, being his people, being his possession, experiencing the light that we would proclaim the wonder and majesty of God into his world, his creation. So now why do we start our time of expectations there? Why start there? Because the biblical reason for why believers and followers of Jesus should expect that God will work and move is that is his plan. End of discussion. God says he's going to do it. Our assurance of expectation, 
our strong belief that something in the future is gonna happen, that's the word expectation, right? We have this strong belief in the future that something is gonna happen isn't because of our effort. It's not because of our vision at Redemption Church. It's not because of our effectiveness to communicate that vision. It's not even because of our unique tactics and how well we implement. That's not our assurance. Our assurance of expectation is grounded in the communicated and revealed purpose of God to do what God says he's going to do in the lives of people. Our assurance of expectation is grounded in the reality that God said that he is going to bring forth redemptive history. That if we are about what God is about, then we can expect him to work, to lead, and to guide and accomplish God's purposes. That is the ultimate nature of our humble but eager expectations as followers of Jesus. That God has decreed that he will do it. And therefore we trust and we hope that he will. We expect him to because he said that he would. And so if God is going to move, it's our responsibility as his church to align ourselves with him and his way. And so godly leadership ought to ask, we should pray, and we should seek the word of God to discern how we can continue to align ourselves more and more with God's purpose and God's will for his church, not our church, but his. To expect God to work outside of God's means is foolish, and I would argue that it's massively arrogant. To expect God to move and not to work within his prescription that he's given us in his word is arrogant and prideful. Now, that doesn't mean that any one church has got that all figured out perfectly, does it? But it should be the desire of the church and the whole church. Not just the leadership of the church, but all participants in the church, including leadership in the church, to discern God's good counsel for what the church is supposed to be about. Redemption Church of Greeley was planted back in March of 2021. And if you know anything about the story of that, you know that it was in the oven a lot longer than that. If you know anything about uh, Pat and Jolene's story, if you know anything about Josh and Aaron's story, or you know anything about Emily and I's story, you know that Redemption Church, although it wasn't always named Redemption, was in formation for a lot longer than 2021. And one of the steps that we took as a leadership team prior to planting the flag in the ground was discerning the values that would imprint, inform, and propel the life of Redemption Church.
They would be the heartbeat, Lord willing, the rudder to what we believed God was calling us to do in Greeley, Colorado. And there's really seven of them. I think about them in terms of three sections. For me, it's helpful to visualize a tree. A tree has three parts. As a simple guy who really doesn't understand a lot about growing things, okay? So there's a root system of a tree. There's a trunk of a tree and there's branches of a tree, right? Those are the three parts. The root system, part number one, is the word, its worship, and its prayer. That we believe in this church that the word of God should be our authority. That the word of God should be high and lifted up. And if you can think of the picture of Atlas, it's like we are lifting up the word and we want to come underneath it as our guide, as our light. And that the word through the spirit of God is the thing that transforms people. Not good preaching, but the word through the spirit that the word through the Spirit is the way in which we know and experience relational intimacy with who God is. The word is foundational. Second, in the root system of the tree, is worship. That we desire for there to be vibrant and passionate praise to God. That our praise, it's not limited only to singing, although singing is awesome. but that our praise and our awe of God can be experienced and lived out in all areas of life. That we worship in our prayer, that we worship as we are in the word, that we can worship together and we can worship separately, that we can do it in nature, we can do it at work when we can balance the checkbook. Josh told me that this morning, right? That the world, think about this, that the world is the stage for the human heart and mind to behold and worship the creator God. The world is the stage for worship to take place. Third is prayer. That like we believe that prayerful dependence on the Spirit is necessary to empower, to fill, to lead, and guide a follower of Jesus. That through like consistent prayer, we align ourselves with God's will, that we communicate our desperate need for Him to show up. Because if He doesn't, it's all in vain. Prayer is our communal relationship with him. Those are the three first values of our root system of the tree, the word, worship, and prayer. And as we pursue those things in our lives, individually and collectively, we believe that God uses them to grow us into the next two parts of this tree, the trunk and the branches. Let's look at the trunk. The trunk's got two parts, one for each side. The first is genuine family, and the second is kingdom living. That as we pursue Jesus in the word, that we desire to worship him in our lives, and we have prayerful dependence for his empowerment and leading, as, that God's gonna use that to draw people together. 
He's going to draw people together. And then, we're not just people that have Jesus in common. Oh, you too. That's neat. That we are Jesus' people. That we are the family of God. That it is the greatest identifier in life where we are brothers and sisters, that we've come together to be for one another, celebrate the things of life, help one another in the difficulties and the challenges of of life, that we point one another towards Jesus as the head of the body, the head of the family, that we're not simply just have Jesus in common, but we're marked deeply, arguably most deeply, by the reality that we have been bought by Jesus. Thicker than blood. If you are here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you and I and others in this room are united by the atoning blood of Jesus. And therefore we are genuine family. That's the first part of the tree trunk. The other side is kingdom living. That we get to love one another as family and being a part of that family is that we leave behind our independent and individualistic tendencies and ways of life and we encourage one another to live for the greater and grander kingdom of God. Like where we seek first God's kingdom Believing that all of life is all for Jesus. That our values, our time, our money, our habits, our ambitions, they're all impacted by the reality that Jesus is now our king. And that we've been saved unto his kingdom pursuits. His kingdom's work. No longer following our own ambitions like what, Jesus, what Jason wants for Jason's kingdom. But what Jesus wants for Jesus' kingdom. Ruling our own little kingdom, making life decisions apart from Jesus. But instead, Jesus being king, Jesus has invaded our lives. And he now directs and he leads us as his kingdom followers. And as we cherish the word, as we grow in this life of worship, as we depend upon the spirit of God to accomplish all of these things, as we love one another as family, and we orient our lives towards the kingdom of God, we believe that God's going to bless that gospel community with growth in the form of life transformation Individually, as couples, as family units, as small groups, as communities. And other individuals are going to see what's going on. And God is going to use that to bring other people who do not have the hope of the gospel into gospel community. That's what we believe will take place. That God is going to use that for the sake of growing and expanding his kingdom to other people that are not part of his kingdom yet, which leads us to our final part, 
of this tree, our last two values, which is the spreading of these branches. The first is that of disciple makers, disciples that seek out lost people, and that we do that with the hope of Jesus, that we proclaim Jesus to people that don't know Jesus through the way that we love them, the way that we live our lives, and the way that we profess the gospel to them. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the hope that I have because of Jesus? And we believe that as people do that, empowered by the Spirit, that God is going to raise up generations of disciple-making disciples that desire to proclaim the excellencies of God to the people that don't believe in his excellent nature yet. That this discipleship movement will multiply out in strength as you tell a friend and they come to faith and that friend tells their brother and that brother comes to faith and that brother then tells another friend and that person comes to faith. The kingdom of God moves forward one soul at a time. And then the second part of the branches is this idea of leadership development that as God grows us and as he transforms us where the gospel of Jesus goes out to people and people respond in faith to Jesus and turn and follow him, disciples are made. Disciples who desire to love and follow Jesus and love and pursue other people, individuals, families, small groups, churches, and even communities are ever changed because of the gospel of Jesus. the need and the desire to cultivate more gospel-centered gatherings, be they small groups, be they Bible studies, be they youth ministries, and even churches, that the gospel advancement all requires leaders who invest in other leaders, disciples making other disciples. Do you see the connection? Church, we are the royal priesthood called by God to proclaim through his spirit's power and advance on the gates of hell for they stand no chance before our king, Jesus. Because he goes before us and he has said in his word that he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Nothing can stand against King Jesus. Those are the values and that is the vision of Redemption Church, the word, worship, prayer, genuine family, kingdom living, disciple making, and leadership development, all for the sake of cultivating a discipleship culture empowered by the spirit of hand and God, transforming lives, families, small group churches, and even communities for the glory of God and the unending joy of his people. Who wants to be a part of that? Sign me up. And as we look back at the short and like humble 
history of this little church. Like we have seen God bless those things. Not because we have perfectly implemented them. (laughs) Not because we were smart enough to select them. But because we should expect God to work within the means that he communicates in his word. And so let's look ahead. Let's look on the horizon of Redemption Church's history. Let's look out as far as we can see. Which isn't very far, is it? Inevitably, there are going to be details and challenges. Inevitably, there are going to be things that change that we encounter. Be it a different building. New faces, new ministries, new church size dynamics. Anybody think about that? A different church management app. Yep, we're already there. New small groups. We believe that some of those changes are to be expected actually, because they are expressions of the values of Redemption Church that we believe that God will use for his glory and our good. So point number one, summary, why should followers of Jesus expect God to work? Because he consistently communicates in his word that he's going to. You can take it to the bank. God is working. Point number two, what does that have to do with you and with me? Expect God to work, then right next to it, expect God to use you. Expect God to work and expect God to use you. This is the call of 1 Peter chapter 2, that God has saved us. He's working in us, and as he does that, He works through us to others. And we believe at redemption that expectant posture isn't, well, God's going to work and he's going to use the church, the entity. It isn't, well, God's going to work and he's going to use our pastors. And it isn't, well, God's going to work and he's going to use select people that are mature enough or have got it all together whatever that actually really even means. Like we fervently believe and expect God to work and expect God to use you and use me. Like if you call Redemption Church your home church, then our vision is that God would cultivate a profound and powerful witness of his grace by and through his broken and yet saved people. Amen? that regardless of your age, be you young or be you old, expect God to use you. Regardless of your gender, expect God to use you. Regardless of your gifting, everybody get that one? Regardless of your gifting, expect God to use you. 
Regardless of how long or how little you followed Jesus, expect God to use you. The question really then becomes is how is God going to do that? How does God desire to use you in the life of this church? And if you belong to this church, at least part of the answer is this. How can you, personally and in your family, cultivate and push forward these seven values in your life? Because values are worthless if they don't actually impact you. And culture is only created when a group of people strive to cultivate a common expression, a common language, and common habits together. And so in short, as great as Pat and Josh are, and those guys are great dudes, they are great pastors, we can't accomplish the vision to reach Greeley with the gospel of Jesus Christ without you. We can't cultivate the gospel culture that we desire to cultivate without each and every one of us carefully considering our alignment to these values and then our desire to imperfectly yet earnestly implement them. And here's the big call. Here's the big call to action this morning, church. For some of you, many of you actually are like new or in the newer category of Redemption Church. Like you've joined us over the last year or so. Praise God. Praise God for what he's doing with that. You need to know what our church is all about. And then you need to determine for your sake and for the sake of the gospels where God would have you to be. This church is gonna be marked by two realities, I believe, as we look ahead in 2024. And it's simply this. There's other things that's gonna mark that season, but two of them I'm certain of is, is two things. Things that change and things that will not change. In 2024, as we look over the horizon, I think most things can fit in one of those two buckets as we look ahead. Things that will change and things that will not change. The change of where we're gonna meet and all that that entails. And we don't even know the half of that. Possible changes around children's ministry. More classes, less classes, classes that meet during the service or outside at different times. If you're a part of a redemption group, it's possible that you're going to see change in who you even meet with. I'm guessing that there will be changes in how we gather on Sunday mornings, what we do when we come together. I feel that bubbling. I'm guessing that there's going to be some new songs that Alex is like, hey, bro, we have to sing these. And you know what that means? It means there's other songs that will not get sung as often or ever 
in the life of the church. I'm guessing that there will even be new faces that come into the doors, and some of them might even stay. Praise the Lord. And as you look around the room right now, inevitably, you're going to have this thought at some point, at some season in the life of being a part of Redemption Church. Who are all these people? I do not know them. Who are all of these people? I don't know them like I used to know everybody. I don't say all of those things to like encourage you to like suck it up, although you, you might think I would say that because that's kind of my disposition, you know? That like, hey, Change is inevitable and it's hard, but like you, you gotta deal with that. Like that's not my heart, please don't hear that. Like I say those things so that those things aren't the things you think shouldn't change. And when they do, you lose the church that you thought you had. My hope and my prayer in saying that is that God would cultivate deep unity around the values of our church, not the seasonal expressions of them like where we meet or what songs we do or do not sing. That God would cultivate a deep heart for our purpose in this city, which is to make great the name of Jesus and to lift high the gospel for anybody that would want to receive it. And to live that out and proclaim that message to other people. That those things would be why you can say in your heart of hearts, yes, I want to be a part of Redemption Church. Expect God to work. And expect God to use you. Here's a final question. Are you open and are you willing to be used? Are you open and are you willing to be used? Like how might God use you? First, here's just something plain and really practical to consider. If you call Redemption Church your home church, here's a good practical exercise that I would encourage and challenge you to do over the next week or two weeks. Don't let it marinate any longer than that. Do it in the next week or two weeks, yeah? As couples or as a family, write out your goals for 2024. What are you striving for? What do you want to see take place in the next year? Write those things out. The next, have some open and honest dialogue with each other as a family about how those goals connect to following Jesus. Like which of those goals align to your calling of following Jesus and which ones don't? Which ones are distractions 
Next. Ask how you can personally and as a family continue to grow in expressing the values listed above. Maybe I encourage you to like pick one or two of those and just prayerfully consider like how God might have you grow in that in your life right now. Consider other relationships that you already have or relationships that you need to cultivate. Like, God, how could we grow in one of, or a couple of these two things over the next year? I trust you will be served by that exercise. Let us expect God to work. And then also, be ready and expect God to use you as people that have received sweet and complete mercy. Amen? As people that have been called into marvelous light, let us be a body, a unified people proclaiming the excellencies of our God. Lord Jesus, lead on. May we have the faith to follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are great and greatly to be praised. You're the God who is working, who empowers and allows and calls us as your children to participate in your good (laughs) eternal plan of redemption that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy to me Lord God that you would do that that our joy and your glory are so connected that you would invite us in to participate into that kingdom work God, may our understanding of the gospel fuel our desire to live that gospel out to other people. Lord, that we wouldn't storm the gates of hell on our own strength, but that we would be reliant upon you who goes before, who leads, who guides, and who has victory in hand. Lord God, give us ears to hear your voice as you lead and guide and direct in the next year and season of our church in 2024. Let us be in step with you, not ahead, and oh Lord God, not behind, but right where you would have us, for your glory and the good of your blood-bought people. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.